Good morning. Good morning. Uh, this moment is a little surreal for me to be in this pulpit, to be preaching to this church, because this church has played such a significant role in my life. As Mihir had mentioned, my wife and her family uh, attended this church for many years. They served here. They worshipped here. Uh, they grew here. And uh, me and my wife were actually married right here. We had our uh, first kiss right in this, in this place. And so if you were there, you can remember how awkward that was, you know. You ever seen the high fives that kind of go like that? That was our kiss. Um, but we've had uh, many highs in this church, but we've also had some lows. Uh, when my wife's father passed away, it was um, Hope Markham that rallied around us, that cared for us. Uh, his memorial service was done right here, and uh, his life is remembered, a life of ambition for the gospel, and many heard the gospel at that service. And so I'm just so thankful and grateful, thankful your elders for inviting me to preach here. And that's what they invited me to do, to open up the word, and so that's exactly what we're going to do this morning. So uh, open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 15. We're going to be in verses 14 uh, to 21. Uh, if you're not familiar with this incredible letter the book of Romans, and uh, I'll just quickly explain to you that the first 11 chapters, the Apostle Paul expounds some glorious doctrine. He explains uh, what our salvation is all about, and he goes into such depth, and you really get a rich understanding of the theology of what Christ has done for us on the cross. And then after chapter 11, we get into chapters 12 through 15, and Paul begins to exhort or give the church commands in which they are to follow in light of this glorious salvation that they have. So we have an explanation, we have an exhortation, and then in our section of Romans, we enter the epilogue. It's the end of the book of Romans. Uh, it's, uh, it's his final remarks. Uh, he's letting his, his readers know some of the plans that he has. Uh, he's kind of ending every, everything off. And in our text, there isn't maybe a, an exposition of some glorious doctrine, and there isn't actually any exhortation. There is no command in our text for us to follow, but there's an example. There's an example for us to observe, and that's the example of the Apostle Paul himself to read in our text this morning. You know, what did he say? How did he say it? Where was he going? What was he doing? And the example I want us to see today is that the Apostle Paul was a man of ambition. He had ambition. He had godly, gospel-focused ambition. Romans 15 verse 20, which is a, really the key verse, which we will read in a moment, Paul says, he makes it his ambition to preach the gospel. Paul, he has a goal. He has purpose. He has direction in his life. He's determined. He's diligent. He's driven. You fill in the blank. He was an ambitious person. And the question for us this morning, are we ambitious people? Do we have ambition? Do you have passion? Do you have urgency? Are you trying to accomplish something with your life? Do you have goals? Are you driven? Are you resolved? Are you enthusiastic about what actually matters in this life? And some of us, if we're being real, we're living this life without any ambition. You're apathetic to almost everything. You're kind of just coasting your way through life right now. Uh, no goals, no direction, no sense of mission. Your favorite answer to any question is, I don't know. 
right? Like, what do you want to do with your life? I don't know. You know, what's the mission of this church? Where is it going? What are we doing together? I don't know. Like, what do you want for lunch? I don't know. Right? It's just this constant cycle of I don't know. And what, what that's communicating is I don't care. And some of us today are living with tremendous ambition, but for the wrong things and in the wrong ways. You're driven, you're dedicated, you have goals, but ultimately, they're for your own glory, for your own plans, for your own success, for your own career, and rarely uh, do you acknowledge God or seek him in your endeavors. And there's no serious impact. If you just stop and kind of look at everything I've accomplished this, this first half of the year, there's no serious impact on those around you for Jesus. And yet still, there are some of us, and I hope all of us will pursue this, we have ambition for the right things in the right ways. You know, it's this ambition, again, that we want to observe in our text today to learn from Paul's example. My prayer is that we would be moved this morning to live with this ambition, to live a life that we can be proud of, a life of purpose, a life, a life um, that's ambitious for the spread of the gospel. So if, you, if you're there with me, if that's what you want to see happen in your life, then eyes on the text. We're going to be in Romans chapter 15, verses 14 to 21. Let me read it for us this morning. I myself, this is the Apostle Paul, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. But on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus then I have reason to be proud of my work for God. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem all the way around to Lyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel. Not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundations, but as it is written... Those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. Amen. If you're taking notes uh, this morning, three lessons from Paul's ambition. Three lessons that we can learn from Paul's ambition to preach the gospel. And, and here it is. In our ambition, number one, in our ambition, we should serve others so they can grow in holiness and worship. We should serve others so that they can grow. This is the first lesson we see in Paul's example from our text. Verse 16 says that he is a minister of Christ Jesus. Minister means servant. In Romans chapter 1, verse 1, how he starts the letter is he, he says he is a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. And he, he ministers, he serves uh, in the priestly, again in our text, verse 16, service of the gospel of God. In our ambition, we are to prioritize serving others. And this is really opposite to the way that ambition works in our culture today. A lot of the ambition we see in business and social media and the workplace and schools 
It's selfish ambition. It's, you've heard this, right? It's a rat race. It's a dog-eat-dog world. Um, In other words, they're saying, I'll do whatever it takes, no matter the cost, to others. As Christians who've experienced the servant leadership of Jesus Christ, we can't pursue our own goals at the expense of our families, at the expense of our friends, at the expense of our coworkers, of our employees, of our peers, of anyone. Jesus Christ came not to be served, but to serve, and he laid down his life as a ransom. How then can we not serve others? Right? Who, who's losing for you to gain? Who's suffering for you to succeed? Who's being forgotten for you to make a name for yourself? Christian, it shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. That's Matthew 20, verse 26 to 28. And Paul, he exemplified this in his life. And we are called, as we read these verses, to imitate him as he imitated Christ, 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. See, he was deeply ambitious, but he always sought to serve. He didn't step over people to get to where he was going. No, he stepped to people, that that is our ministry. Our ministry is people. So a couple practicals for us this morning of how we can serve others Right from the text, look at verse 14, it says this, Paul says, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. See, what Paul is doing in verse 14, he's encouraging. And so here's our first application, words of encouragement. You want to serve others ambitiously, be ambitious with words of encouragement. You know, he says that he is satisfied with the church in Rome. He is convinced that they are the real deal. You know how many people in this room need to hear that from you today? You know how many people in this room feel like, man, I'm messing everything up, and what they could use is a word of encouragement. That's simple. You're doing good. You're on the right track. Keep going. Don't give up. We can't underestimate the power in a few words of encouragement like the Apostle Paul. He goes even further, right, in verse 16. He says that they are full of goodness and knowledge. He says, you have really good character is is what he's saying. I see it in you. And and you're full of knowledge. And and not just that, but he sees growth in them. He says uh, that you can now instruct and teach one another in, in verse 15. Isn't that incredible? It's incredible to me because he just finished three chapters of laying it down hard, all the things that they need to improve on and do better. But after giving them all this bold instruction, he can still say, no, you're, you're good. Like, I'm not disappointed in you. I'm actually really impressed with you. Parents in the room, we're so ambitious that our kids will succeed in life. They need to hear this, right? Like, I'm not, I'm not disappointed. I'm really, I'm really encouraged. Older Christians in the room, they're younger believers who feel like they're stumbling around. They need a word of encouragement. Don't, don't give up. Keep going. Keep, keep growing. I think we would be a lot more generous 
with our words of encouragement if we really understood, you know, the grace that we've received in Christ. And, you, and you've heard the analogy, you know, you're, you're kind of living life with rose-colored glasses and you see everything's really rosy. And my prayer is that we would be like the Apostle Paul, that we would see life through grace-filtered glasses, right? When we look at people, we would see them like Christ sees them, a work in progress, but loved, beloved, grace, there's always grace. So don't underestimate the power of encouragement. The second thing Paul does is uh, he gives them a reminder of truth. Verse 15 says, But on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder because of the grace given me by God. Right? Of course, we have to be gracious and encouraging in the words we use, but Paul says on some points I had to speak to you guys pretty boldly, and he did. It's because when we see sin, in the lives of others, as believers, we are called to speak boldly on some points, to call out sin for what it is. When we see our children, when we see our friends making decisions that they shouldn't be making, that don't glorify and honor Christ, we should speak into their lives out of love for them and out of a desire that God would be glorified in their lives. If these individuals are not believers, this could be what helps them see their, their sin and can bring them to a point of repentance. And if they are believers, again, notice the text. He says, on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder. It, he's saying this is, it's, it's, it's just a reminder. When you encourage believers and you challenge them, you call them out on their sin and you encourage them to walk in the Lord, you're just giving them a reminder. And we all need reminders. Even if you're full of goodness and have all knowledge, even if you're able to instruct one another, we all, we all need these reminders. So church, who's encouraging you this morning? Who's reminding you? Who are you encouraging? Who are you reminding? There's purpose. There's purpose in our encouragement. There's purpose in our reminding. It's so that others would grow in their holiness and, and worship. You know, again, in verse 16, he says, he's a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable and sanctified by the Holy Spirit. See, when, when people believe in the gospel, when people understand it, put their faith in it, their lives are changed radically. Their lives are changed. They become living sacrifices. They become offerings to God. It's their spiritual worship. This is what Paul starts talking about in Romans 12, verse 1. He's using this Old Testament language, priestly service, offering, sacrifice. But what he's trying to communicate is that Believers are changed so radically and their lives are an offering of worship to God. And we want to see that worship go forth from everyone we interact with. But notice, it doesn't happen right away. That radical change, it's not immediately. Immediate. You put your faith in Christ and all of a sudden you're changed. No, it takes encouragement. It takes reminder. It takes serving others. Over time, the gospel changes all aspects of our lives. It's true. We should be seeing it change our parenting, our relationships, our voting practices, our businesses. It should change everything about us. Christ, in his great commission, said, teach them everything I have commanded so that their lives would be more worshipful and glorifying to God. So, three lessons from the ambition of Paul. First, serve others so they can grow in their holiness and worship. And second, you can write this down. In our ambition, we should acknowledge the grace and power of God in our lives. We should acknowledge the grace and power of God in our lives. In, in verse 17, Paul goes on to say, 
in Christ Jesus, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. Paul's saying, I got something to be proud about. I worked hard, and there's something here that I'm proud about. And as, as Christians, sometimes we can take a step back and say, no, whoa, 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 you, you, can't, you, can't, be, you can't take pride in, in your life. Like, you can't do that. Um, and it's because often the pride we see around us is selfish pride, right? It's, it's pride in self. But what Paul has pride in is not himself and what he's accomplished, but what God has accomplished through him. Because he won't venture, verse 18, to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through him. It doesn't boast in self, it boasts in God. It acknowledges that God has poured out grace and power into his life. Verse 15, he says, because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus. Right? The, only, the only reason he's serving Jesus Christ is because of God's grace in his life. The, the grace that saved him, the grace that transforms him. You know, he isn't walking around thinking, hey, I'm all that. You know, I'm an apostle. I'm doing great. No, no. He has a deep sense of being unworthy and being unable. But by the grace of God in his life, he's able. You know, this is something I really want us to kind of dwell upon and, and think upon. You know, the ambition of the world is self-sufficient, self-exalting. The mantra of the world is, I can do this. I got this. You ever hear that? I got this. And you probably said that to yourself. Like, oh, yeah, I got this. I can, I can do this. You're at the end of a long day at work. You got to finish a couple more things. You're like, I got this. I can do this. I can get to home. I get home on time. But that's not the ambition. That's not the words of a person who has godly, Christ-centered ambition. It's never, I got this. No, it's, I can't do this apart from the grace and mercy of God. I'm not awesome. I'm awful, right? But the grace of God. The grace of God. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 9 to 10. 1 Corinthians 15, 9 to 10 says this. Paul says, I'm the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an, an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. Here it is. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. You know, Paul had his credentials. We know that. He's a pretty educated guy, pretty talented guy. But what he put on his resume was the fact that he was saved by grace. He didn't deserve the forgiveness and mercy of God, but he got it. He didn't deserve to be seeking God in this way and serving him in this way, but he was here anyway, serving God. It's with this deep thankfulness for God's grace that led him to work hard. He says, I worked harder than any of them, but it was God's grace at work in me. You know, what's, what's fueling your ambition? What's getting you up in the morning to work hard and get at it and get it done? Is it the prize of success? Is it the prize of adoration? Is it, the uh, is it the prize of money? What is motivating you? What got Paul up in the morning, what got him working hard and sweating it out was the grace of God. I have all this in Christ Jesus. I have all this from God. He loves me this much. 
What's fueling our ambition? Some, uh, some practicals to, to kind of help us move forward with this point. If we are to acknowledge God and bring him glory and acknowledge his grace in our lives, here are some practicals. First is this, okay? We have to work hard. That's the starting point. Like we have to work hard. Those who are ambitious work and they, and they work. They work hard onto God. You know, Paul says he's proud of his work for God, right? And to say that Paul worked is kind of an understatement. You know, he's, at, at some points in his ministry, he was, he was preaching by day and then by night he was making tents to, to supply his need and the needs of those uh, he was serving with. You know, he traveled to far off places to see the gospel go further and further. You know, in our text, he said he went from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum. That's a lot. A long distance. That's 2,386 kilometers. If you're really healthy and you count your, yourself in steps, it's 1,856,863 steps. That's a, that's a lot. He walked. He walked. And he worked. This is the Apostle, Par, pa, Apostle Paul. You know, this is, this is why God created us in one sense, to worship him through working for him, when God put humans in the garden, he didn't put them there just to lie down in a hammock, eat some grapes and, uh, grapes and put some bets on wh- who, who the fastest animal was in the garden. He, like, he didn't put them there for that. He put them to work it. And don't get me wrong, God rested. He worked when he created all of creation. And then on the seventh day, he rested, and there was rest But Genesis 2.15 says that God put man in the garden to work it and to care for it. That in working, we bring glory to God. In Colossians 3.23, we are told that whatever you do, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. See, if we will not work towards something, we will not achieve anything. We need to work hard. Now, I was even debating, right, calling this point hard work, but because work is always hard Work is always hard if we're, we're doing it right. Working hard means we get up early. It means uh, we, we delay enjoyment to get something done. It means we put others' needs before ourselves. We do the things that we really don't want to do so that the work can get done. There's so much to working hard. You can fill in the blanks. Monday to Friday, our hours are accounted for. We rest well when we're called to rest, but on the days that we work, we work. Our days have purpose. We are to work hard. The next thing we should do is we should stay focused. We have to stay focused. Yes, we got to work hard, but we need to stay focused. You know, it's interesting to me that Paul is writing this letter to the church in Rome but he's never actually visited the church. He's never, he's never visited that church. Twice, actually, in the, in the letter to the Romans, he says that he would love to come and visit them. In Romans chapter 1, verse 10 to 15, he says that he would, he would gladly come, that he uses the words, it would be mutually encouraging. It would encourage him a lot, and he could encourage them. He even prays, even says he's prayed that he could be able to come. In, in chapter 15, verses uh, 22 to 23, he talks about how he, was hin- how he wanted to come, how he's planning to come, but he's been hindered. He's been hindered. What's hindering him? Why can't he come? Paul, you keep saying you want to come to this church. Just come. You know, just walk over here. 
But he says, no, something's stopping me. His obstacle was his calling to make the gospel known among the Gentiles. Yeah, it would have been a great thing. It would have been a really good thing for Paul to go to Rome and be encouraged and encourage others. But he says, I got, I got a mission here. I'm ambitious to see this work done. And until it's done, I'm not going to get sidetracked and detoured. In the same way, we're called to be focused. Like distractions are plenty in this life. And I'm not even talking about meaningless distractions like endless streaming services. I'm talking about things that are good that can distract us. You're called to disciple youth in this church. It's Wednesday night or Tuesday night when you guys do youth ministry. Something else comes up. It's good. It's a good thing. But you say, no, I'm not going to do this good thing because I got a mission. I got to be here. And you can fill in the blanks. For me personally, right now in the season of life, I'm realizing I need to reach my extended family with the gospel. And there's so many good things I can be doing in ministry, but I need to cut out time. I have to stay focused. If these people I love so dearly are going to know the gospel, I have to give this time. I can't be distracted by every good thing that comes before me. But this takes a lot of discernment. It takes prayer. It takes understanding what stage of life you're in. Are you a young parent? Are you uh, retired? There's so much into it. It requires what I'll say, dependence. Dependence on the Lord, seeking the Lord to lead you. And that's our third application this, at this point is we need to depend on the Lord. We got to depend on him. You know, what distinguishes our ambition from the world is that we never boast or trust in ourselves when we seek to accomplish great things for the Lord. You know, we know that it's by his grace. We've, we've talked about that. Everything we do for the Lord is empowered by the Lord. So what does that mean? It means we pray. Really, that, that it's as simple as that. It means our lives are saturated with prayer. Our work, our ambition, everything we're seeking to accomplish is saturated in prayer. Prayer must anchor our parents. Prayer must be the anchor of our businesses. Prayer must be the anchor of education. Prayer says that I regularly acknowledge that it is God working through my life. Proverbs 16.3 says this, commit, commit to the Lord whatever you do and he will establish your plans. It's God who does the work. God, help me. In the world today, people are constantly looking, right? Constantly looking for what makes people successful. And you've probably been there. You're on YouTube and like, oh, this guy's really successful. I wonder what, how he got and how she got to be so successful. And we're all kind of looking for the secret sauce of success. But there is no secret sauce to success. It's actually very clear that, that God takes the weak and foolish things of the world and he uses them to accomplish his work we have not because we ask not and when we do ask we ask to spend it on our selfish and ambition so obviously we don't have what we ask for prayer is the key to fulfilling your calling in your ministry and paul says that god fulfilled this ministry from jerusalem all the way to illyricum in verse 19 God will fulfill your ministry. Depend on him. In your ambition, acknowledge the grace and power of God in your life. Be diligent to work hard. Be discerning and stay focused. And be dependent on God. Finally, our last point is this. In our ambition, in our ambition, we should spread the name of Christ everywhere and then further. Let me read verses 20 to 21 to us again. Paul says this. And thus, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, 
not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation, but as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. And that verse he's quoting is from Isaiah 52, verse 15. In our ambition, like the Apostle Paul, we should seek to see the spread of the name of Christ everywhere. Paul says he makes it his ambition to what? To preach, to preach the gospel. Now it's interesting because there are many ways in which you can communicate the gospel. It can be taught, it can be catechized, it can be debated, it can be dramatized, it can be demonstrated by love and good works, and these are all godly ways to to explain and to show people the gospel, but, but the way in which Paul is convinced the gospel must be communicated is through preaching. To preach means to herald, to proclaim boldly. See, in God's wisdom and his knowledge, he has ordained that the primary means in which the gospel is to be spread is through preaching. To proclaim that Jesus Christ has come, that he died and that he rose again, and that those who put their faith in him will be cleansed and forgiven of all their sins. The gospel goes forth by preaching. The Great Commission Collective, which is the network of churches, the family of churches that we are a part of that unites our churches, one of our key distinctives is that we boldly preach the gospel, and that is what we will always do. That is our ambition. But notice that Paul has a more specific calling. He's called to preach the gospel. There's something more specific. He says, I'm to preach the gospel, but to preach it where Christ has not been named, where no foundation can be found. He doesn't want to build on someone else's foundation in verse 20. He wants to go in verse 21 to people who have never seen, who've never heard. Now, I want us to understand that Paul is not saying that this is everyone's specific calling to go to the unreached people groups of the world. When Paul says, I want to go where no foundations is being laid, he's saying, I want to go where there is no church. I want to go where you can't walk down the street and meet a Christian. I want to go where the foundation, what, what is the foundation of the church? It's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the foundation. His love, his message, the gospel, he is the foundation. He wants to go where the message of Jesus Christ hasn't been. That's his specific calling. But he's not saying that's everyone's specific calling. Because remember, this is not a command. This is an example we're, we're trying to follow. Paul not only laid foundations, but what else did he do? He raised up pastors and leaders and, 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 and people to build upon the foundation and to strengthen the churches. And so the principle here that we're trying to understand is that Paul preaches the gospel so that the spread, so that the name of Jesus Christ, is, Jesus Christ may be spread. He wants us to be ambitious. Maybe, maybe your calling is to lay new foundations, but there's some of us who are called to build upon the foundations. There's some of us who are called to give and to support the work of ministry. So, so what does this all look like in our life? Well, first, first, for some of us, we have Paul's calling right now. We need to get up and we need to leave. We need to go to the 3.34 billion people in our world today who have no idea who Jesus is. We need to go to the places where no church is. This is called pioneer missions. And the church, our churches should be raising up people who are ambitious to see Christ named where he has not been named, to lay foundations where no foundation has been laid. 
And you're probably asking, like, well, how do I know if that's me? Like, how do I know if I need to be the one who gets up and go? Well, I just want to quickly dispel this notion that you need to have some kind of supernatural experience and know if you're called to go overseas, to go where the gospel is not preached, to move into another neighborhood in Toronto where there's a, like, 0% of people know the gospel. How do I know? You don't need a supernatural experience. How do I know this? How do I know this from the text? Well, first of all, we know that Paul had a supernatural experience, right? He was on the road to Damascus. The Lord himself met him, gave him this incredible, you know, uh, well, did incredible things. He went blind, and it was just just crazy. But Paul doesn't reference that experience on the Damascus road here. He says, I'm going to go where no one's gone. And then he, what is he, he quotes a scripture. He He quotes Isaiah 52, verse 15. He's saying, the scripture says this is going to happen. And that's good enough for me. I'm going to be the one who goes. There's, there is scripture for us today as well. Yeah, Jesus calls us to be his witnesses in Acts chapter 1. To be his witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The word of God is clear. We need to go. And so some of you are, are hearing that and you're like, that's me. I'm that person. I have this deep conviction in me. The Spirit of God is moving me. I'm like, why am I still here? I should have left last year. I have this deep conviction to obey this particular scripture, like the Apostle Paul before you. See, if you, if you read these scriptures and you're, you're feeling compelled, then the next step is you need to go to the elders of your church. You need to tell them, hey, this is my desire. Can you help me discern this? I want to go overseas. Let me know if this is something we can pray through. Because even the Apostle Paul, right, Who's, be, who's, in a, who's called to be a minister to the Gentiles, he didn't just get up and go when he first received that call. You know that. When he was in Antioch, he went to the elders of the church. They prayed over him. They helped him discern this. They laid their hands on him, and they sent him, and, and so it will be with you. If you're feeling this urge to go, to obey these scriptures, and come to your elders, don't waste another moment. Now, for the rest of us, we need to realize there's still work to be done in our city, Right? Foundations need to be built upon in our cities. And some foundations, if we're honest, need to be rebuilt. There's work to be done in your family. There are loved ones that need to hear the gospel. There are still children who need to be discipled. There are new believers in the church who need to be baptized and taught. There are small groups that need to be led. There's outreaches that need to be expanded. There are businesses. Listen, listen to this. Those who own businesses or want to start businesses. There, there are businesses that need to be started so they can support the work of ministry locally and abroad. We need more businesses in our church. We need more politicians in our church. We need more social workers, doctors, teachers in our church. We need more social media influencers and gamers. And you're probably like, what? In our church at Hope Toronto West, we baptized two Muslim teenagers this past year. And they were reached through TikTok and COD. And if you don't know what that is, Google it because I don't have enough time to explain what those things are. But it's incredible. Are you ambitious to see the gospel go forth through these ways? There's still foundations that need to be laid. Like some of the neighborhoods that we're living in, the foundation is not Christ in our neighborhoods. It's materialism. It's dead religion. Those are the foundations that are laid. Some of us come from poor neighborhoods where there's generational poverty, which is the foundation. Those need to be dug up. There's work to do in our city. Now the Bible doesn't necessarily lay out exactly what everyone should do for the spread of the name of Christ. It's unique, right? It's unique to each of you. It's discerned through time, prayer, and planning. But, but in our ambition, we will always seek to see the spread of the name of Christ 
further than it's gone before. And I have one last observation for us that I wanted to see. I'm going to read verse 19 and verse 20 uh, for us. Verse 19 says this, By the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. Notice that. He says, he says I've fulfilled it. And then in verse 20 says, and thus, and therefore, it's all done, but and therefore I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named. That's incredible to me. You know, Paul is not a young, a young guy when he's writing this letter. He's a seasoned He's, he's a seasoned man. He's been serving for many years. And he says, it's done. I've, I've fulfilled the ministry. The gospel has gone all throughout Asia. And for most of us, we'd be like, and, and scene. Like, that's good. It's all done. I'm, I'm ready to, to put up my legs. I'm ready to, to take a break. It's, it's, it's all done. But not, not the Apostle Paul. And I'm praying, not us. That when we see the gospel go forth, we'd have this burning desire further further where else can the gospel go what uh, what other lands need to be conquered for the name of jesus christ if you're a parent in this room and your kids are being well discipled and they're they're worshiping god and they're growing and they want to get baptized beautiful beautiful but now further what about their friends what about your neighbor's kids further further Maybe you're a business owner and your business really does reflect Christ-like values and your, your customers and your, and your employees are well supported and the gospel is, is, is like the, the bedrock of everything you do and you're supporting um, ministries and you're doing all that. Great. But what next? How can I go further? How can my venture be used to bring glory to Christ further than it's gone before and maybe you're in this room and and you're a retired person you've done it you lived the life of faithful service you've raised kids you've sent them to school now they have kids it's crazy you've led small groups you've eldered at churches you've done it what's next this is the gospel ambition that pushes us further there are still many corners of our world and even in our cities where the foundation of jesus christ is not laid his truth, his love, it's not known in these parts. And we as a church are called to be ambitious people who take the gospel further than it's been before. We're called to be people who serve others in our ambition. We're called to be people who acknowledge the grace and power of God in our lives. And we're called, people, called to be people who live out lives ambitious for the spread of the gospel. And so with that being said, I want to pray that over us and invite the worship team up to. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you uh, for your word. Your word is truth. Your word is life. God, even the epilogues of letters can hold profound, deep truths for us. The parts of scripture that sometimes we skim over, oh, there's just a bunch of names here. Those are the parts of scripture that can change and transform and lead us. And Lord, I pray this morning as we observe the life and ambition of the Apostle Paul, that you would stir within us by your spirit the, the desire to be ambitious people for the gospel. God, that we wouldn't be ambitious for things that don't matter, but we'd be ambitious for the things that matter most. That, Lord, we would take this city, the city of Markham, the city of Toronto, for your glory. 
that many would know that foundations would be laid, and not just here, but across the world. Lord, I pray for those seating right now, uh, seated right now who are feeling conviction of going. Lord, I pray for boldness for them to come to their elders and share their desire to go overseas. Lord, I pray for those in this congregation who have this burden for a neighbor or family or friend or an outreach. Lord, give them the boldness to step up and to get the work done for your glory. Lead us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.